Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I am your host, Matt Packing in Stations Group. I want to introduce uh, in or here, Caleb. How are you doing, Caleb? Hey, people. All right, we also have Hateless in the box. Hello, guys. All right, uh, off camera, we have uh, our regular Suetonia. How are you doing, Suetonia? Doing pretty well. Great. And a new face, or faceless face, actually. He's all cloaked up. Uh, we have our director of community, Araya. How are you doing, Araya? Hello, everyone. All right. Uh, and then off camera and doing, of course, all the visuals is McLeod. Hi, McLeod. Hello. And our guest today, we're going to include him in everything we do because uh, we like him so much, is our friend Dunk Dinkle from Brave. How are you doing, Dunk? Doing well. Um, I'm feeling my superpowers coming after the vaccine, so I'll be full of energy today. Nice. When did you get it? I got the second shot just a week and a half ago. So um, I'm hoping for like eye lasers or um, <laughs> the power to speak any language, um, something something exciting superpower to come in. But my mobile reception is already much better. Yeah, <laughs> mobile reception, right? You got the you must have got the uh, C. What is it? Uh, G5 variant. Uh, by the way, you do have lasers coming out of your ears uh, visually, which is which is a start. But anyway. Uh, good to have you here, Dunk. You're always entertaining and informative and an uh, and overall stabilizing force for uh, NullSec. So good to have you here. We're going to talk about NullSec. We're going to talk about history. And uh, so you're perfect for today. Okay. Let's get started with a little bit of review from last week. Some of the shows and topics that we were following during the week. Um, actually, this is off script, but we have... Uh, I think a resolution to the Providence situation, which uh, the pirate black market, uh, as it was called, uh, was uh, forcibly sold to the locals in Wrecking Crew. And the Wrecking Crew guys, uh, they paid full price for it, which was nice of him. Uh, I think is, has pretty much publicly declared he's going to sink it and take everything uh, inside of it that's loot. So that is... It kind of puts the people who owned it previously in a bad position since they opened it as a free port with trust. Uh, and those people were noir and uh, noir are mercenaries and they were part of wrecking crew. But I think this soured their position there and they have since left. So some resolution there on that little uh, vignette of a story. Okay. Monday, uh, we talked about exploration because we think exploration is going to be very, very important in the near future as it is a place to discover uh, loot that you need in order to do building. So we talked to Nth Dimensional, uh, who's, uh, I think he's a relatively new player, if I'm not mistaken, but he does a lot of exploration. Uh, um, what do you guys think of exploration? Do you guys have any thoughts on that and how it's going to play into production later? I'm a huge fan of uh, shifting a lot of uh, labor onto exploration. I think it's it's worthwhile now to to actually do that as a profession, and it will be even more so when the industry changes it. Yeah, exploration's always been a uh, a really good uh, career for new players because you don't need much risk to invest in like a heron or a magnet or a ship like that. You really, only need four or five million, you know, to get a decent fit out of one, and you can easily make the uh, capital that you spent on it back within the like the first hour of exploration very easily. So. So it's pretty fun. I also like the fact that CCP made uh, lo like low sec exploration a lot more valuable now with the low sec uh, um, 
ghost sites having that special thing that you need in all the capitals. Yeah, that's the thing people are looking for. Uh, it's I, the same. It's the same exact gameplay, though, isn't it? Just the loot drops are a little different. So they've just changed the loot tables, but Explo is still Explo with the rule of six and all those things that people do, right? So yeah. there's no really uh, new thing there, other than there's new drops. So it's not new gameplay. It's the same thing that we've been telling people for years of you can make isk in a you know non grindy well, way. Everything is new if you haven't done it before, even if you're a player of 15 years. Like Ghost Sites, I really liked the trailer that came out when they introduced those. I really wanted to play them. They had some interesting mechanics at work where the loot would explode into many directions. So the more people you had with you, the better, because you could kind of, like little fish, pick up all those little, um, I don't know what fish eat in fish tanks, but uh, fish food, I guess. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. And all that went away. And I thought, oh, I'll never do ghost sites because... There's no reason for me to do them. Well, now maybe there's a reason for me to actually go out there and do those ghost sites. Well, uh, extra rewards will always draw new players. So that's, I, I think I, I agree with Caleb there. It's, it's going to be a really good thing having uh, another activity that is potentially really lucrative and something that requires people to actually learn something to do. I think my main uh, takeaway is that it's a new way to integrate into NullSec activities, right? In the old days, when you wanted to build the big toys, you kind of had to source a lot of titanium and stuff from uh, from HiSec. So you had that whole um, balance of payment and, and export-import thing going. But this is actually better um, because they reduced the, the, the requirement of uh, uh, low-end minerals in, in the big things uh, in, in the new industry uh, changes. So this is actually a good alternative, I think, because it, it, it also uh, spreads down to even newer players than you would maybe have before, right? Well, we're just not seeing a lot of these drop in NullSec right now. Um, you know, they're still all being hauled in from the trade hubs in Amar and Jita as it is now. Maybe that's going to change over time. But right now, we're not seeing a new behavior in which we're able to source these things um, locally in our NullSec and LowSec pockets that we operate in. So... Maybe the loot tables are just still getting sorted out to kind of make it a little more local, but I, I, I don't see it changing to be other than I go to Jita and I buy 100 of these and 200 of those and haul them in. Well, and that's kind of what I meant, right? If, if, if this is supposed to make sense, it's supposed to be a, an incentive to have import-exports between Null and HiSec and, and other uh, areas of space. So, so the fact that these things mostly drop outside of null is kind of what i would have expected there's also uh there's also like a regional uh, bias right as far as i can tell at least i i did one in fade which is in serpentis space where volta is and i don't actually know the industry components of my heart but i got a new component and it has something to do with like galanti in the description so i assume that you also need to be able to uh, use wormholes and or and go around. Like if you just uh, if you just like farm these in Delve, for example, right? You'll you'll get get tons of the Amar ones. You'll be great at building Amar stuff, but you won't maybe won't necessarily be able to build the Galanti stuff or something. It's just very similar to you know what we have with several other materials that we need for industry, uh, salvage, data cores. These are all regionally specific materials that all end up in trade hubs and then just get jump freighted into where they're needed. So um, I think we're going to see more of that. Hopefully it'll be lucrative for people who uh, get this done. I just hope that the supply is sustainable, that it doesn't cause, uh, you know, even further problems in the economy. Yeah. Are ghost sites the ones that are, it's like, uh, 
what do they call that when you're you're uh, not the demolitions team, but you're basically uh, taking apart a time bomb and making sure it doesn't explode in your face. Yeah, those are the ones where if you fail to hack on the can, it explodes. I think it does around like 8,000 explosive damage. It will kill most exploration frigates. There's also a timer. Like As soon as you warp to the, as soon as someone warps to the site, it starts a timer. I think it can be anywhere from one to three minutes. It's a random timer. At the end of that timer, NPCs will show up, which will attack you. And then, uh, then after a short period of time, they will uh, destroy the cans themselves, which also causes the explosions. So, yeah, you I, need to be able to... to uh, to go through them quickly and they're also one of the ones where it's may maybe you want to use like a bigger exploration ship kind of like the uh the sleeper caches instead of the frigates isn't that also why it's not really bot friendly uh exploration in general it's it's not something that you see a lot of botting going on in well, well it's also something i guess uh that's not multi-box friendly either right because you can't really control more than like two characters doing exploration before it becomes very highly in- inefficient and, and both of those ah. things so not multi-boxing friendly and not botting friendly makes this a really really good uh, design to control and and improve the ecosystem uh, i'm i'm very much a fan of these things Oh, I'm told that there are asterobots all the time. I'm not sure how much of that is true and how much of that is just, you know, people being mad about asteros that don't say anything to anyone in local who come and do sites. But I'm sure they, I'm sure they exist in some capacity. So I just want to remind people that bots can do complex things. It's how smart that the person is that's writing the code for the bot is, not that bots can't do it. It's... I, I'm very against bots, but understanding oh, yeah. what they do and how they work is important. Breakfast. Um, but like anytime a bot gets to do something in Eve, it's taking away from a player doing that and engaging in the game. So anything that is difficult for a bot to do is probably good for the game. Yeah. On the back end, I think this is what Dunk uh, reacts to is like, oh no, it's going to be shortages of supplies because now we can't harvest the way we harvested to build the things that we need to build for a larger option. What do you think, Dunk? Fair to say? Well, I I don't think I'm in an oh no state. I mean, I I can afford to buy whatever's needed and just pass those costs on uh, industrial-wise. It's more, are are we getting back to the old cliche of the have and the have-nots? Um, in which certain people can afford to do certain things and other people simply can't afford it because of the, the supply and demand uh, mechanisms that are existing in the game. It was surprising. I think Suetonia said uh, exploration has always been a, a new player friendly profession. I think because you can do it alone, if you just learn how to do it, you could do it by yourself without relying on anybody. At the same time, it seems like it's some of the hardest things to do in EVE Online to scan things down. Um, for, for me, anyway, scanning seems like one of the hardest things to do with probes and everything. Well, it's a uh, uh, load or easy to pick up, hard to master kind of thing. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things to it where you can just, anybody can pick it up and start doing it, but only those that actually put in the effort and get good at it will actually be able to make good profit or good income off of it because they actually took the time to learn and master it. Yeah, it's also a low, low cost to entry as well, as I mentioned, right? Like you don't need much SP to be good at, in an exploration ship. You know, five days training pretty much gets you like most of the skills level four. And that's, you know, honestly good enough. And you only need like five billion isk to, you know, uh, and most, even most like 
new player organizations probably give you out or have like a very fair price for ships like herons and magnates and things so well, we could talk about the the other uh, industry changes. We have an awful lot of gas requirements going forward. Yeah, and there's been some there's been some discussions of is um, our wormholes able to supply enough into the marketplace because of their size, and also uh, some of the there's been I think postings of is it Ico Sarin supposedly being in null and low, and people have been reporting they haven't seen it. So I don't know what other people have experienced with as far as the, the gas retrieving them in the marketplace for them uh yeah i've actually been doing a lot of gas mining this week uh mined about two billion worth of gas just by myself uh, i'm really confused that as to what the patch note is that ccp said where they said they added gas sites to certain low sex systems because i haven't seen any gas in anywhere where it wasn't before like it, the the gas, all of the gas in low sec isn't spot all of the regions that didn't have gas don't have gas still and the gas still spawns in the exact same way as it used to, as far as I know, unless they like slightly turned turned up the spawn rate or something. I don't know, but uh, it, what I expected was that for them to redistribute the gas throughout all of the Nolsec regions, so it's not just in the same regions. They've been somewhat vague about patch notes lately. There's a couple ones that are like, what, what, what does this exactly mean? I think I think most of us expected some sort of dynamic distribution where you wouldn't always get the same thing, that different things would pop up from different places. And we just haven't seen that behavior yet um, with the, the myco and cytosarins. That doesn't seem to have changed much. And then the wormhole gases are still the wormhole gases. Um, it's just the, the quantities of wormhole gas seem just gigantic, uh, uh, considering you can't compress them in any way. Um, but um, those low-sec and null-sec uh, myco and um, cyto gases are the ones that people are just wondering what the what the plan is for them um, to make them uh, wh how they're going to spawn where they're going to spawn um, is there rotation is there dynamics to all this stuff which I, I would ho was hoping they were going to introduce so it wouldn't be so locked into you knew exactly what you were going to get the way ISIS I think there was a question of whether the mycosarin would appear in all those sec and a subsequent question of would the diamond rats then go after and mine it like they do in ore sites? Well, there's no gas mining NPCs yet. I mean, CCP could add them into the game if they wanted to. But uh, I think they, they've already uh, made the, the NPCs so much more deadly in the like last week with all of the gate, all of the, the belt rats now on gates, and you get dread and titan spawns on gates now. So, so it's like. Are you talking about that? Uh, what exactly is going on? Okay, so uh, uh, when CCP uh, did the original ore distribution, they kind of screwed over the entire south and the the, uh, the southeast of the map because what they did is they deleted certain ores from from certain uh, from Nolsec, right? So they deleted all Valdspar, Scordite, Spodermain, Crokai, uh, that that kind of thing. Uh, the way they the ore was distributed in Null was that each uh, different, there's six different, uh, say, say, bands of ore for like each part of the map. So in all of Serpentis Space and Pure Blinds, like the Galactic uh, Northwest, I guess you could call it, uh, that, that had like a different ore distribution to say, you know, like the Southeast. And so, for example, in the North, the West, and the southwest now, you can still find ore in all of the belts, pyroxysts and kernites in all of the belts. 
depending on which region it is. However, because Paroxys and Conite couldn't spawn in those other systems, they didn't have any ore in any of the belts unless they were a certain true sec. And what CCP decided to do was because I guess maybe people were getting confused or something, they deleted all of the uh, asteroid belts that didn't have ore because of this change. However, what that did is it completely broke uh, ratting, in particular Providence and Curse, uh, didn't have a high enough true sec to have any asteroid belts in the entire regions. And so that, that completely bricked Officer Ratting and Curse. Uh, in case you don't know, the only way you can find uh, the highest tier officer is in the embassy home region. So Tobias, which is the uh, the strongest uh, Angel Cartel officer with the highest value officer loot, he could only ever spawn in Curse. And so <laughs> without there being any asteroid belts in Curse anymore, that officer could just no longer spawn at all anymore. So uh, what CCB did to uh, fix this problem is they made it so uh, the the rats that can spawn in belts now can spawn can now spawn on gates. Yeah, the uh, the trick is, as it was explained by uh, Ratati, the way that spawning works is it's tied to an object. So you tie it to an asteroid, and it spawns near an asteroid. But when the asteroids all disappeared, there was no point to spawn to for these uh, NPC rats. So what they did, and that was like a big oops, right? It lasted a few days, like two or three days, but they fixed it by remapping the spawn point to the gate. So now they do spawn in that system, just not an asteroid belt, but at a gate. So we have officers on gates? They, yep. they, can, potentially, Rare, they but, can potentially spawn there, but it's like, it's the lowest effort fix they could imagine to do to put it in quickly before people completely freaked out. So I hope they come up with some better solution of how to spawn these rats because the, the respawn timer on the gates is they're all basically always there and they're just getting farmed very easily now so it's even easier now you don't even have to warp a lot of people have structures on the grids with the gates so you can sit tethered see when something spawns and then okay i'll feel like go killing that as opposed to the past where you had to actually go to the belts and find something in them so they've made harvesting these stuff even easier now because of the the mechanism that's been put in place yeah, and you, you would see these more valuable rats, a lot, they're a lot more visible now, right? Because you just travel like gate to gate instead of having to go into a system and check the belts and go to the next gate. Isn't it fair to say that this feels like a temporary resolution? Yeah, I mean, it is a temporary re resolution, but the, the problem is that CCP has kind of put the cart before the horse in this, uh, in this situation. So I think CCP Ratati explained uh, when he was uh, on the meta show that what CCP want to do is they want to get rid of the asteroid belts completely because it's sort of old tech, you know, it's like arcane code. No one really knows how the asteroid belt code works as far as I can tell. And it's also tied to downtime, which is something that CCP wants to get rid of. So what CCP wants to do is they want to move all of the ore into anomalies because that's new tech. And it, since it's not tied to downtime, you don't have problems with, you know, I think CCP's stated before, I'm not sure like how recently, uh, but they want to get kind of get maybe have the possibility of getting rid of downtime or reducing downtime. Uh, you know, they had that day day where they ran a test without downtime, if you remember. Oh, that day was weird. <laughs> yeah, so many day. things broke. It's like being in Alaska. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. No, like everything broke. Just everything. Yeah, and it, I mean, obviously, it's also probably a better system too because then you also don't have to worry about like time zone distribution because it sure sucks, right? If you're a, a miner that lives in the United States and you get home and then you find out Russians have mined out all of your yeah. belts, so you, you just can't mine. 
and well, vice a lot versa, of problems, right? A lot of problems with NPC stuff. Uh, I believe there was at least a long time ago complaints that the Russians would just eat everything up before you even woke up. Like it would just be gone for the day. Well, but there's a, there's, a, there's a downside to this that is not often discussed because, of course, all the positive things about getting rid of down, downtime and all the ways that we abuse it is nice. It's, it's good to, to hear the CCP is considering fixing that. But the downside is, and I'm sure Dunk uh, can, can comment on this, is that the scaling of large fights will be horrible. Why? Because well, there's no timeout? Oh, go ahead, Dunk. There's no timeout. You can basically have a fight that's going to last for an entire weekend with no pause. 36 hours. Go ahead, Dunk. Sorry. We would see, like, M2 would have been entirely different with no downtime. Or that, that whole fiasco down there. Well, I think it does stop. At some point, we have to remember this is still a game you're supposed to do as something enjoyable in your life. And if it turns into something where you can't play this game at a serious level, unless you can commit to 72 hours of straight non-stop gameplay it's transformed into something else that is probably not healthy for people so i don't think the game design should really reward um whose whose group is willing to stay awake for three days straight like that i think would be a mistake <laughs> but that's All what right. that's what it could lead to if you think yeah. it through the way we play the game all right, uh, Caleb. No thanks to you for knocking us down that rabbit hole of no downtime and. No, but but we we discussed it just when when those big fights and those very very long streams uh, that we covered, that what would have happened if we hadn't had downtime? It's like then people well, would have like uh, came in uh, in shifts or something horrible like that, and we would end up being even more dependent on big organizations that can actually have even more organized uh, time zone shifts. So it's like, okay, when, when is the day shift going to uh, turn up and actually <laughs> be part of this fight? Dunk, your secret powers are working. I saw that. It's uh, on camera. Kiss there. Very Hollywood. Like it. Um, uh, Mrs. Dinkle's offered her bike ride. So. Oh, awesome. Um, okay, well... Yeah, we'll talk more about downtime uh, at a different time. So exploration was something we covered Monday. Check out that show. Uh, on Tuesday, this is something you're very familiar with, Dunk, and that is CSM 15, well, maybe not 15, but CSM 15 term ended with Torvald and Kenneth uh, talking to Ash. Uh, it was Ash's last uh, show as a host for TIS. He's going to go on and do his own stuff, which is great. We'll support him in that. Um, but uh, CSM 15 ended, and you were a CSM member. What was it like when your term was ending? Well, I, I, I'm surprised they're saying their term is ending. I mean, I, I don't, in the past, the old CSM haven't had an overlap with the new CSM for about two weeks. So I would assume that the current CSM would still be active until June when the new CSM comes in. There's an overlap period. And then the CSM 15 departs into the, into the glorious retirement of elder statesmanhood, statespersonhood. What's that so like? I don't, I, it's very relaxing. You get to talk with the current CSM people and say, I'm sorry, you're still going through this. Um, you and then you hand. get to play the game. <laughs> Do you get to golf together? And <laughs> Well, I think it's, it's um, you know, we're kind of like an emeritus group that they can vent a little bit without breaking the NDA and just say, you know, um, get a little stuff off their chest that may, they may not want to go public with somebody they can trust. So, um, Oh, uh, that's a good point. They can they commiserate with you. You're like the one of the few people that can listen to them. Well, I think we know the people. Um, we know the process. We know how the sausage gets made. And it and as I've said before, it can be frustrating to watch the sausage get made and like you're making the wrong flavor. Um, 
And so the people who are currently going on the CSM and serving and trying to guide CCP, um, they need people to talk to too. Um, and so sometimes the ex-CSM can be those people that without revealing anything confidential can still give them a, a place where they can kind of purge out their frustration. Yeah. Well, that's cool. All right. And then uh, Wednesday, we'll talk more about CSM a little bit later as we talk about CSM 16 and how the election cycle is beginning again soon. Uh, but on Wednesday, we had a really interesting interview. Carneros came back to do this interview because he speaks Mandarin, which is awesome. Uh, and also Rich Richmond interviewed uh, a fleet commander from fraternity, mostly Chinese group. Uh, and her name, her name was Dark Des. Very interesting player. Plays all over uh, the game, not just for fraternity, but really into a bunch of stuff. So I don't know if you heard that interview, you guys, but I thought it was a really interesting uh, character there. Okay. Okay. And then Thursday, uh, and this was the big one for the week, actually. And not because I made a return to being on air, <laughs> the least of it, but we talked to Oxidizer from Warp to Me. That's a group that does incursions. And apparently, not only did our analytics show, it was a very popular show, but it, it sprung a lot of talk in different circles and different discords about incursions. When was the last time you guys did incursions? Oh, it's been a while, but I do know that they're just recently got more exciting with the Marauders. Yeah. It was a bit surprising to hear CCP Rattati talk about how they were um, seeing people um, making a lot more Iskin incursions um, as a good thing when the incursions are some of the most on the rails, completely predictable, completely mapped out, generate ISK with very low risk kind of um, scenarios in EVE. I mean, right now, the people that do that stuff are just printing ISK with very low risk compared to other activities. So it was surprising to me when, they, when I heard that in looking at the MERs, they thought that was a good thing that people were now moving to lower risk activities to make ISK. I think this is tied into uh, where CCP want is printing to happen. Oh, hold on. Well, let, yeah. let me just tell you a little about an incursion runner's life. They have to travel. They're nomadic. Incursions move. So they have to move. They have to go through Udama. They, they have to get through these systems with their very expensive stuff. So there is risk there. The other thing, sorry, you, you kind of got me. Uh, I'm going to go on a rant here. Um, uh, rant away. Th uh, they also have to watch out for traps that are set up within the incursion. Uh, it is possible to kill an entire fleet with very small things. So FCs have to be aware of that. You also have to work together with a large number of people. Uh, it's very difficult to multi-box an entire incursion, incursion fleet, especially the ones that are incredibly lucrative. Uh, so it requires people to work together, which is a really, really good thing. Uh, and kind of gets them set up and learns how, I, I know it's very on the rails and it's almost always the same thing. And it's, that's part of the reason why I don't do it. But the pilots that do it, they're learning how to follow fleet commands and, and, and kind of do things. And what ends up happening is, is I actually learned how to be in a fleet through incursions. So it's a big thing. And then like, there's so many good things about incursions. Sorry, the cat's bugging me, but like, <laughs> hey cat. Um, but there, there is risk there and it's, it's not just a free pass and getting into fleets can sometimes be difficult as well. Um, 
it, it looks like yeah. a free pass on the surface because yeah, you can get into the fleet and hang out there for eight hours, but that doesn't happen every day. Well, we we talked about this too, Duncan. It was because I, I kind of thought the same thing. I thought this has got to be solved by now. So you come in and you do your uh, wow like raid dance, you know, where everybody's synchronized and doing the right thing, and that must be kind of an orchestration of something you've done a million times. So how hard can it be? Uh, but then I realized after talking with Oxidizer, there's a lot more to it than that. You're, you're thinking, of, you, you have to like assess the landscape. So there's a lot of signals you need to read. You know, it's almost like being a warring party and you know how to do that, but you don't know if the clouds are going to rain on you and ruin your day that day, or if the sun's going to dry you guys up and kill you on the spot. So you're looking at other fleets, what they're doing. You're looking at other uh, signs of... Uh, trouble that could happen, not just within your fleet, but people interrupting you, people contesting your incursion, people coming in basically and swiping. I, 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 hear, I hear what you're saying, but all of those things happen everywhere else in EVE. Everyone else who runs any kind of group doing anything does exactly those same things. And so what you have is them operating in, in a mechanic space of high sec in which they have a lot more defensibility and they have a lot more mechanics on their side to protect themselves. So I'm not saying it has zero risk. I'm saying it is some of the lower risk behavior you can do to generate the amount of ISK they are generating to where it's almost the number one thing people are generating ISK um, from these days. Yeah. So I think that, I'm not saying it's no risk, but I think the reward level seems, and I'm just saying maybe, out of balance with the amount of risk that they're entailing because all those behaviors are good, learning to work together is all good, but that's in every other group and every other dynamic. And no other group has it as easy with the space mechanics they're in to generate this level of income. Again, uh, when it comes to the ecosystem team, of course, they need to also ba balance things like risk versus reward. But first of all, they want to uh, balance where things are sourced before they start looking at um, rebalancing uh, the, the actual danger. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that this is about figuring out where ISK printing should be uh, the highest compared to where uh, other resources should be higher. Uh, and in this case, I think in, they want incursions to be printing proportionally more than, say, ESSs in Null or uh, Blue Loot from Wormholes. It's it's all about making sure that the the, the faucet of ISKs uh, are broken out into the regions where they want ISK to be created. But it, I don't but know if you can hold it stay. handle the wormholes, though, because when you start talking about wormholes, you're starting to add more than an order of magnitude. I think you're, I agree with what you mentioned in terms of comparing it to like the NullSec writing ESS. I think with wormholes, you have to live that life. It's not a part-time thing. But I think what we see with incursions is players and all across groups all throughout EVE have characters they only use for incursions. And um, they basically go do the incursions, print ISK, and then that ISK is immediately transferred into whatever group they play within their, with their main. So I think that dynamic kind of breaks down some of this. We, we want people playing in the places we want them playing. So if, and I know lots of people in NullSec, they will generate the ISK they want to PVP in incursions because it's fairly safe comparatively. And then they bring that ISK into NullSec and buy whatever they want. Now, maybe that's the behavior CCP wants, but it doesn't encourage people engaging in risky behaviors in low and NullSec. Well, you're, you're asking CCP to try and design the game, uh, taking uh, our workarounds into account. And I, I think that's very difficult. You, you can't use an argument like, well, because we cheat the system, CCP needs to design it differently. Sure, you, if they can, but generally, you can't expect that. 
they can only look at the map and how the game works and design around that. How you uh, have your accounts and where you have your characters and all that stuff, that's really not CCP's business. Well, they're the one that took on this. Um, We're going to fix the economy. So they've taken this on. They've stated what they want is to have basically higher risk rewards for higher risk occupations. And so I just thought it was surprising that they were kind of seemed enthusiastic about the incursions being uh, something people were doing rather than engaging in high risk behavior. So why are we picking on incursions when Abyss and level four missions exist in high sec as well that make similar income? Mm, probably because we did a show on incursions recently. And also, if you look at it, it, it is the one area where incursion income matches null sec income. Like, in fact, it sometimes beats it now. Which oh, is, I thought but I thought you could make probably more money doing burner missions in high sec, and that's entirely like solo, basically, right? And and now we're yeah. we're picking on Hagler's, is that it? <laughs> A whole lot of seconds. Well, I don't I don't I want to be seen as picking on anyone. I just want, I was surprised when I listened to Rattati speak about what he thought was a good thing happening as far as where people generated disk in the game. It was surprising he mentioned incursions seemed like a positive thing. I wouldn't have expected that based on their previous statements. So I don't want to get into nitpicking where people make GISC. Go make GISC. It's awesome. Uh, me, so I, I do want to add, even though my, my primary source of income and everything I do is about missions, I would love to see for more people to go do incursions and go join up with other pilots and go fly together yeah. with others. Missions yeah, don't really good. provide that together aspect. And that was one of the best things about incursions. The, the, the ISP damned with it, it is great group content. And I, everybody I told, can get together regardless of where you're from because I it's love, in high sec. I love that comment because you can, uh, you know, if, if CCP wants to incentivize people playing with other people, incursions might be a good place to incentivize. One of the problems, I'll bring Ar Aria into this, or Aria, um, I say his name differently each time, multiboxing takes away from group play. If you can go in and do a Vanguard site in an incursion by yourself with your own alts, you're defeating the purpose of that sort of benefit. Uh, isn't multi-boxing kind of a problem? And if you guys want to think about this being nullsec versus incursions, think of it this way. The guys that are, say, trapped in Delve right now might be running incursions with 12 alts, earning a ton of money, totally uh, escaping the idea that you can isolate somebody in nullsec and kill them. Maria, jump into that. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, someone mentioned, someone asked the question of, of why not uh, why incursions as opposed to the abyss. From watching people run the abyss, I don't see anyone running four, six, eight accounts in cruiser abyss at the same time. It's a highly active behavior. You have to pay attention to the to the site. But when you're in incursions or in wormholes, you, you hear folks talking about, well, I, I bring three accounts, five accounts, six accounts. Um, we had someone from wormhole saying he runs with eight and he can make eight, eight billion isk an hour. That's wonderful. Incursions, you can make five billion is pretty quickly when you bring six or seven accounts with you. That's wonderful, but it doesn't compare to single sole activity like burner missions or running the abyss. And I think that's when you start looking at income disparity across the game, some of these things are very easy to multi box, and then you start getting higher or higher magnitude of income. I'm just going to speak from experience multi boxing is a headache. <laughs> I'm only going to speak from experience. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I won't take that personally, uh, but uh, let me continue here. 
but this is it's kind of one of the I don't know if it's in the directly stated goal, but it feels like it's one of the goals of the ecosystem team is to try to figure out how to balance the multi-accounting and multi-boxing attitude of the player base and about distributing things to get rid of self-sufficiency. So I, I think, of course, they can't succeed perfectly on all of these things because it's a lot more complicated. And as players, we are pretty good at figuring this out and, and going back to min-matching and breaking their stuff. But the idea is that this is where they want to push the current designs. And many of the, 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 the recent changes over the past year or two has been in that direction. And I also, I don't know if, if this is anecdotal evidence, but I hear a lot of multi-boxes and multi-alt account people really crying these days. And I think that's what I would call a healthy symptom. I, I think Omega Gold just said that uh, abyssals are very hard to multi-box. Yeah, I, I, I tried doing it once. I did uh, three healers doing tier four, and that was a nightmare in my head, uh, trying to keep track of what is going on with three different situations. And we can compare that directly to the flying three frigates, uh, mental task-wise. Uh, flying three frigates into a single abyss is a lot easier, so you don't have to be situationally aware of three different situations. It's one situation, you're just F1-ing the other two. So, oh, I missed the distinction yeah. between those two examples. Uh, so uh, with with three helas, uh, you go into three separate abyss, right? So you have three oh, different rooms that you're going ones. to. Every abyss has is a different situation. You could end up rolling the same thing, but you're still in a different situation. The clouds might be in a different place. The 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 spawns might be slightly different. You might have to do a different order. But what ends up happening is you're in three different situations at the same time, and you have to wrap your head around all three of them in order to keep all three ships alive and go through and keep them moving, uh, which is really difficult to do. Whereas if you're multi-boxing a group of characters that is in the same task or doing the same thing, you only have to be aware of one situation. So like uh, another thing is when I'm doing three mission, uh, three mission running accounts, I have to be aware of three different missions and what I'm doing in each of those three different missions. Whereas when I go and do multi-boxing in like uh, fighting the Triglavian rats, I can do six accounts or seven accounts and it's one situation. I just have to, what does this character have to do in this situation? And it's actually easier to do, but at the same time, it's mm. just more. I got but, so you're in three different missions is diff more difficult than one mission with three different characters. Yeah, so if I, correct. Uh, because you uh, being aware of more than one situation is, is difficult. Both seem difficult to me, but you and Omeka are like, uh, you know, multitaskers that can do that sort of thing. It's crazy. So basically um, but, you're saying parallel is harder than serial. Yeah. Yes. Well, the, the idea of multi-boxing though is something that Rhea and I were talking about this week and very passionately about, and I think on the same side, uh, which was multi-boxing, is it good or bad for EVE Online? I would say yes. Um, Did you say yes? Because that's not fair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like if somebody wants to put in that extra effort to run extra accounts, they should be rewarded. But it shouldn't be a one-to-one -one reward. So a really good example that I have, again, is going to come from mission running. If I run one account running missions, I can pull 250 plus million an hour. If I run two... I can pull about 500 or 450 to 500 per hour, which is a little bit less than 2x. 
So I, I get a diminishing return as I scale up. And then if I go for a third account, I can sometimes pull like 580 to 600. I got super consistent with three and I did a lot of science with three because I ran that a lot. But the uh, the reward at a certain point, it, it's it's diminishing. Like you don't make as much for having the additional account. So if I were to do 10 accounts, I'd probably make less. Uh, and I, I feel like that that's a little bit more fair because I, I'm not indefinitely rewarded for just N plus one equals Y. Uh, and it's it's not flat, but having like a, a diminishing return as you add accounts and add complexity. Um, I feel like you should also be rewarded a little bit for the added complexity, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I think as the ship I, complexity gets larger, it gets a little bit hard. It gets a little easier to multi-box. So if you're multi-boxing a couple uh, characters, it's pretty easy. You start increasing from there, it gets a little bit more difficult. But then you start moving the larger ships, battleships, dreads. It becomes a little easier to run five dreads than say five cruisers. I think the funny thing about that conversation that you're um, hinting at, Matterall, is that uh, that was when Aria uh, basically asked me. Uh, how many of Eve's current problems would be solved if you limited uh, everyone to only be able to log in three or five accounts? And I have to admit, yeah. quite a lot of problems would go Mix, away. Max three, right? Three accounts, that's it. Yeah, yeah three, three or I five. Mean, uh, you still need to consider the fact you, that people think, could be on the same idea. Do you think IP people that would things. stop people from... I mean, yeah, some people. I mean, you have a bunch of the game design is basically encourages you to have multiple characters do multiple tasks like industry like uh any kind of sino chaining like there's a bunch of uh with a game design basically rewards you for having multiple accounts and it's positive to ccp's bottom line to have people subscribing to multiple accounts so yeah but um, it, it it diminishes the game overall this is the really uh, ugly thing about it well, how, how does it diminish the game if i need more reaction alts or i need more sinos in more places does that because diminish that's the what game? you need to compete you come in because as a competitive player and all play. of a sudden you're up against that you're, you're playing a game of chairs and you're putting your ghost in all the chairs so no one else can be part of it, right? This is the problem with, with how ev everything is figured out by us. Everything is all accounts and multiboxing on a level where we just keep scaling it and that leaves no room for new players. And, and this is fundamentally one of the reasons why we have not seen growth in EVE Online because it is too hostile, it's too figured out, and the, the whole thing... There's no room for, for new types of players in the game. Everything new player-wise is completely devalued by the design over the past eight years. And I've said this uh, before, and we've had this discussion, Dunk, but the, I'm not so much talking about industry alts. I'm more talking about massive multiboxing and accounting on uh, on having like 12 rockles out in belts that are infinitely scalable, just sucking uh, Roid all the time. This just completely undermines the, the, the way the ecosystem and the, uh, and the game should have worked. Well, I'm, thinking I'm not talking about like limiting they, they, alts in general, because okay. Dunk's right. This game is, uh, it, to play this game, it is sold that you need alts to do these different tasks. Um, the difference is, can you, should you be able to log in all these alts at the same time? Is 12 oracles mining at the same time a good balance? And how do you balance a game around that gameplay when you have players coming in and new players aren't expected to spin up 12 accounts to multi-box all these um, ISK making ventures at the same time. There should definitely be a cap somewhere. Uh, I, I, I don't know where that would be. And I think that that'd be a very difficult thing to figure out. Like 
is it fair to say to somebody that has 30 accounts and he has all the sino alts for his sino chain uh to do do freight uh is it fair to say that that guy can only log in five at a time or is it fair to say that uh x pilot should only or that's there's thousands of reasons why one would have multiple characters out or that many characters out. Uh, but would we be able to put a cap on it? Well, I don't think hard cap is the solution. I think it's about CCP designing to make it um, disincentivizing this. And just to go back to something very simple, right? When we got the, the, the API calls uh, completely uh, buffed by CCP, so a ton of information uh, can be gathered with the uh, API calls, and when uh, multi-accounting, uh, multi-boxing pretty much became the norm, something as simple as active scouting is no longer a thing that a human being is doing. It's just an all. I had some of my best moments sitting out in space, scouting space lanes, just reporting in, feeling useful, yeah. and looking at the planets have electrical storms on them. It was romantic. And people, when, still when you ask FCs, people still people still do yeah. that. People still do this recon. It's a different recon that you may not be familiar with, but I see the intel. Hello? It's not about just. It's I'm, not, I'm I'm fairly familiar with it, and I'm just saying that most FCs well, will say I don't that know. they would rather do it themselves. Well, I don't think the FCs ever do the recon themselves. I think we have dedicated recon groups that are watching over places, seeing what's on dock, seeing who's ready to bridge. That's all not in the APIs. That's not in the ESI feeds. Yes, you can find out about timers through the ESI. Yes, you can find about iHubs and TCUs through that. That's some of the most boring stuff to do. And so I think um, what you do have is a recon that's a higher level that goes on right now. It may not be obvious to everyone, but we have scouts all over the place watching where people are deploying, where are they going, tracking people as they move through space, which is very active gameplay. But it's not the old recon of, I have to fly to this system to find this timer which seems very boring to me. So there is an awful lot of recon going on. It just may not be the way you think of recon happened in the past. Uh, so Tony, get in on this. You're a player that plays alone most of the time. Do you multi-box, not multi-box? Uh, I multi-box uh, uh, quite a bit <laughs> at the moment. But I mean, uh, I, I'm, I, I agree with you that multi-boxing can, be, uh, can push out uh, new players. But uh, at the same time, like I think that like the twelve roll call problem wasn't a problem because of the twelve roll calls. It was a problem because of infinite all, right? And and now CCP is like solving that that issue to some extent. Yeah, maybe there are different solutions to the multi box problem. But again, I think of it as a perceptual problem of product design. Somebody is competitive; they come into the game and they're told right away, like, "Well, this is how you this is how you compete. You got to like have an alt that does this, have an alt that does that. You need to get in this right away." It's part of that whole chemistry of like, there's a lot of guys that kind of have this all sewn up, and for you to catch up, it's going to take a lot. You don't need multiple characters, though, right? You just need a decent group. I mean, playing solo without without multiple accounts is really difficult, but. I mean, well, let me just run a hypothetical. Let me just run a hypothetical. So you have somebody new, they join a corp, and that corp gets war decked. Do you recommend they have an NPC alt in a trade hub to make purchases and run couriers from that trade alt, so, from that trade hub, so they don't have to worry about the high sec war deck gankers? So, what do you recommend to a new player? Should they should they have an alt or should they not have an alt in a trade hub? Well, they absolutely should have an all. I mean, I, what I mean by an all is, I mean, uh, like a, a, a second account. You, you can you can have that neutral character on the same first account, right? 
Yeah, I think it doesn't even need SP. It just sits in Jitter and it makes a courier contract to like your GF service or whatever. Yeah, I think there's a difference between number of alts and number of alts logged in at the same time. Right, but I think like I I think the difference is: do I want to play a video game or do I want a second job, a second life? And I think a lot of the players uh, that might visit this in a casual approach are like, um, well, I just want to, I want to play this game. So I'll play with this character and I want to do things in the game. And now you're telling me in order that, that everything is relatively useless unless I'm with a big group or a group that's doing stuff, or I have my own group, which is me multiplied by five times, uh, whether it's logged in simultaneously or not. Isn't, isn't that true without multiboxing though? Let's say CCP enforces, you can only have one character logged in at the same time. Well, hey, now I can't use my capital unless some other human is willing to light a sino for me, right? Doesn't that destroy yeah. capital use for a casual player then? Yeah, well, uh, I always thought capital should send out a probe and the probe you should be able to pilot to a system and then that probe turns into a sino. So you almost like are throwing out a hook with a rope on it in order to do that. But that's just my fix for it. That would be um, fantastically and super simplistic. And it would avoid all risk I would ever encounter in moving stuff to do something like that. No, I would invite because that, that, that little probe that you put out can't probe other things down. So you don't know what's in, out there with you. Uh, but but anyway, I know, that's I'm just, just going to put that probe to some place I know where I can I mean, sign in safely. You do yeah, that yeah. anyway with an alt, right? Like the alt is the probe that you send out, and uh, yeah, but the alt can be killed. Right. <laughs> it has to go through. Well, the probe counts. can be killed too. I, those probes can be. But that was just me spitballing. It's not. I'm not telling CCP how to design. But anyway, we were talking about this whole um, multi-boxing. Is it good or bad for the game? I think I think it's debatable, but. No, it's not. It's not debatable. Not, I, 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 some good points on both sides, I thought. No, there's not, because it completely undermines uh, CCP's potential revenue stream when we let players basically I'm not worried take about over CCP's all the jobs. Money. I, I refuse to worry about CCP making money. Like, that's their job. Our job is to enjoy the game and participate in it. Uh, you know, like that's, that's our job. I'm not worried about them making money. And so no well, it, fake it, tears about it, that. It breaks their revenue stream and it breaks the ecosystem. And this is what you've seen over the past eight years. I think multiple boxers do a lot of plexing. Maybe that's the same thing as revenue stream, but, um, well, no, uh, because the, the, the purchasing, uh, potential is increased the more real people instead of alt accounts. I don't know. The more alts you have, the more income you generate, which means the more potential to pay for those alts you have and it cycles that way and that's it why it doesn't increase it doesn't increase the incoming actual purchases of plex on the on the contrary it, it actually undermines it and reduces i don't know it. So, when butters get oh, banned, oh, oh, plex prices Caleb. go down like that's demand lost when botters get banned it shows you if yeah, but more anyway. people are buying plex plex prices go up and then more people will pay cash for plex more people will be willing to pay cash for plex than if the plex price Plex prices were yes, but the real conversion value is reduced. So what you're well, saying yeah, Caleb, is, not... uh, let's say if I have five accounts compared to five humans, even though we're paying the same subscription fee per se, like obviously like five humans might make more purchases like skins. Like for example, I don't buy skins on my alts generally, right? So it's, it's, every type, it's every type of purchase. It, it's anything that you can buy from CCP or actually do actively in the game. And, and remember, the, the, the in-game uh, 
income of the people that purchase uh, the the Plex, especially if it's newer players, their actual effectiveness of the conversion is lower than 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 the people that are, have already figured everything out. So we have a and this is actually one of the Donk's favorite topics: the rich get richer. That's the problem. This is why multiboxing and multi-accounting is a problem, much bigger than any uh, of the uh, ecosystem distribution problem. Ah, interesting. All right. Well, incursions is where we started with this and people multi-barking incursions. Not something we talked much about on that interview, but there's a lot of stuff. Uh, if you wanted to get involved in shield incursions, uh, Warp to Me is the group that you should be looking into. There's a secondary group that does armor incursions, which I think is really interesting. It's almost like a red and blue team uh, for the same content. Uh, and then there's also a Chinese group and a Russian group if you want a language uh, change for yourself. So there's like four different groups that run incursions and uh, we talked to one of them this week on Thursday. Moving on, something incredible happened on Friday and we met uh, Raisio Taifo, who had actually traveled all around EVE Online, including wormholes and known space. He's gone to every single system. That's only the second person to do that behind Katya Say. He one up, one up, Katya, right? With having gone through all the gates in the game, I don't even understand how that's possible. Right, and recently, so he went through every single gate because he went back and figured out that he'd gone through as he was waiting because he finished in December, and since then he went back to every system that he uh, jumped through one gate, but not the others, and he jumped through those gates too. So now he's jumped through every gate in known space. I don't think you could do that in wormholes, but maybe. Um, and now he's figured out, I believe, that shows that uh, what system, what stations you docked in. And so he's, I think, going to attempt to go and dock in every station. So he's a completionist to the maximum. But yeah, interesting, interesting guy, uh, Rizio Typho, uh, a German player, and uh, finished finished everything in in pretty short order actually because he started playing in like two thousand and. 15, I believe. Um, he didn't realize that he had jumped so much. He was actually exploring just naturally. He would just go to like an average of 70 uh, systems per day. Some days he would do like 500 or 499 jumps in a day. And some days he'd do like 360, uh, some days less. But he figured out, I've been jumping so much, I should look to see how much I need to be completionist after he saw what Katya did. And he went ahead and then just finished up everything in a year or two. So uh, this guy's been uh, prolific at traveling and exploring at the same time and actually taking some time to do data um, relic sites or whatever kind of sites he was doing before, which takes some time. So that was really interesting. That interview on Friday is called The Travels of uh, Riso Typho. All right. Uh, we'll be back uh, in just a minute. We're going to take a little commercial break and we'll talk about uh, the Euro show that we did and then move on to a CSM industry and the war. Welcome back to Talking in Stations. Uh, we have said goodbye to Araya, who had a takeoff, but we welcome Vili now, fleet commander for test and legacy and also one of the major names in this war on the Pappy side of things. How are you doing, Billy? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a nice, quiet week of more Keepstar killing. Obviously, we're we're just having a good time. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into the war. This is something that is on our minds here at Talking in Stations because we've seen a pivot, and that is that it looks like the war is starting to move towards a phase where 1DQ is going to be sieged. And uh, that is different from wiping out uh, territory outside of 1DQ. For those that haven't been following the war, uh, let's... Um, Let's see if we can do a quick review. There was uh, uh, Pappy attacking the Imperium's space. Imperium space was four regions big. Uh, two of those regions went down, uh, and and then uh, basically a real war began for the two that were left. So Aquarius uh, took a little bit of time to finish off, and then Delve proper, which was the Imperium's home uh, region, was attacked. And uh, in that attack, there was a few notable moments, uh, and the Imperium now finds itself essentially cornered in 1DQ and the constellation that it belongs to. And so now uh, it took a long time for, actually I wouldn't say a long time, but it took some time for uh, Pappy to destroy a lot of the structures inside of Delve. But that's coming to an end, and now it looks like 1DQ is uh, being looked at as the the final thing. So, what would you think? Is that is that fair to say, Billy? Why don't you take us through what's what's happening lately? What's happening lately? Okay, that's a you know it, it depends when it you want to kind of make your cutoff, I guess. Um, post M2, uh, we focused on getting ourselves out of that situation and getting ourselves back in the offensive swing. Over time, uh, you know, we slowly retook the initiative, retook control, uh, we took Helm's Deep, and after taking Helm's Deep and breaking the M2 uh, Sinojammer control, or IHUB, uh, Imperium was forced to abandon the M2 camp, and we shifted into a full kind of clearance mode, where we focused on clearing Keepstars, clearing IHUBs, clearing Sotillos, Tataras, everything. Uh, so we spent the better part of the last month and a half, two months, I think, uh, I think it's closer to a month and a half. Uh, just killing Keepstars, killing Sotillos, killing every structure uh, in Delve that we could. Uh, we still got, uh, I think, 50-odd structures between uh, medium and large uh, structures. Everything XL is dead at this point outside of the 1DQ constellation. And obviously, I think there's 11 Fortisars left, and those will be cleaned up in due time over the next week or two as well, while we slowly begin ramping up pressure on 1DQ itself. You know, basically exactly as we said we would, and... You know, we're just moving to the next uh, next stage. Uh, let's have a discussion on this rather than an interview. But the one, just one question: Is this happening at the pace you thought it would? Uh, you said it was going to take some weeks when you settle down to start. Uh, the keep start killing and structure killing itself has actually gone about two to three weeks quicker than we expected. We were we were originally planning to do three keep stars a week, you know, so that we wouldn't have any overlap. But uh, goons basically just stopped resisting uh, after the second week, and we were able to just, you know, amp it up, do six keepstars a week, five, four, and you know, now we only have the the one singular keepstar left. It's okay about it. Dunk. You recently did a state of the alliance, uh, or not a state of the alliance, as you call it. Um, and what were some of the takeaways from that? Um, <clears throat> well, mainly was talking about brave stuff about how we're doing in our new space and the things we want to do, some kudos to people. But the war is entering yet another phase. Um, you know, the coalition has done what it has said it's going to do and, and cleaned out pretty much everything um, uncontested, which is surprising. 
Um, and now we're left with one constellation where the Imperium is mainly going to try and form their final defense. Um, so we're just preparing our people that there's going to be a bunch of fights in there. There's going to be a bunch of back and forth. Um, but it's not going to be where we're going to give the Imperium the fight that they want it to be. So you, you see them constantly wanting us to fight in the way they want us to fight, that you see them wanting us to take things the way they want us I mean, to put them in advantage. They're basically calling you little girls. I mean, that's pretty much what the well, I, Look, I'm not one to get into the name calling, right? But I think the, the, the point is uh, all military tactics going back to Sun Tzu is you don't fight on the enemy's terms and they are desperate. They're frustrated at the speed of the fight. They're frustrated at the speed of the war. They're frustrated that we're not fighting them exactly the way they want to fight. And the coalition is not going to do that. We're going to fight the way we want to win. And um, as I said in my soda, their, their Reddit rantings aren't going to save them. Their Twitch chat where they're angry isn't going to save them. It's not going to save them. They're going to lose on the battlefield in the game. And um, that's just how yeah. this is going to go. Your soda was kind of funny because uncharacteristically, you, you seem to like, it, it really was your version of, um, what do they call it? The twisting the knife, I guess. Because uh, you're like, uh, you guys, I mean, you said, some pretty, you said some pretty devastating things on your soda. Which no, is, it, it was a it was it was the British police tasering uh, a criminal. It's I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I am tasering you. Pardon me, sir. I'm tasering you. <laughs> but you went after the, uh, I guess you call them shit posters, uh, that are on the other side. You're basically saying like, I mean, you were relishing. I'm taking your space. This is me taking your space, uh, which I thought was kind of out of character for you, but but funny. Just to balance uh, everything really and Dunk just said, there is a little bit of an argument um, that, that aside from all the spin, right. that when it comes to this war, it, it has been slow. People have to admit that. And of course, it takes a long time to do what was actually in the books and supposed to be done. But still, a little bit of what Dunk said to me sounds like someone playing chess that doesn't understand that uh, you need to actually put the opponent into mate, right? I see this as I said to, to Kennefeld in chat. This is like the last moves where you have to chase the king. If you do not get the king within the certain amount of, of moves, it's a draw and you haven't won. Well, but I don't, I don't think we have a time limit on us. I think that that's the fundamental difference here. There's no time limit on this. Um, Every Pappy Alliance has now set up industry back home or in Delve as their home. Every alliance within Pappy is now able to refresh their troops, is able to go back into living normal lives while they continue the war. This war could go on for a year, and we're just going to ride at home. We're going to keep building stuff. We're going to keep doing whatever. All the while, the Imperium's going to sit there in their one little constellation and scream that we should go quicker, right? All while we're just yeah, like taking our time, enjoying it, savoring it, really, relishing it, etc. Aren't your guys bored? Like, no, I've heard. no. No, no, no they're not. People on your side, they're, they're very bored. Like, they want to do something else. Who, I don't know. Who? Well, I, I don't hear them. They're excited. We're five jumps from 1DQ. Our supply lines are absolutely minimal at this point. We're generating everything we need. We're generating ISK. We're generating ships. Pilots are engaged. They're eager, right? All of the stuff that the Imperium says that they think is rallying their side is just making the people who are opposing them even more insistent that we are going to smash things. Go listen to Gobbins' uh, talk to his alliance yesterday. The motivation factor is still very high. But that's, that's just right. not what you... Okay, 
this is like spinning. This is spinning. No, no, no. Stop, Caleb. Hold on, hold on. Let me just say that what Dunk referred to is Gobbins, who actually put out a town hall that he does. This is the second one he's done. Third one he's done maybe this war. Uh, where he talked about where the where the state of the war was for them, and it went on for an hour. And uh, let's go to Billy then, Caleb. Go ahead. No, no, I just want to hear what Caleb thought. What we said was incorrect. You know, I'm- I just think that it was uh, on the same level of meta show spin because there are people getting fatigued of, of this in in Pappy groups as well. And 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 to can be you, honest, can you name a few? I, I'm not going to out my sources, but but this is fairly oh. high source, right? <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I can't fight with nameless sources that say, oh, our group yeah, is a little can't. tired. It's like, yes, everybody is tired, but not everybody is bored. Okay, like, there, there's a fundamental difference between what those words mean. Ah, that's a good point. What's, are they bored or are they tired? Anyone? All right. Everybody so, is tired. I, We're I, nine I months can, into I war. Can, yeah, I, so I can speak for my people. <laughs> they, 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 they're looking forward to the fights. They're happy with yeah. our new home. They're back to making ISK again. They don't have to travel so far. Like, it's all... We're doing well on our side right now. And yeah. like for, I can speak for my own alliance. We are stronger than we have ever been even previous to the war. So why so, do they say your numbers are, are dipping? Like everybody's numbers are. I don't know who the they is. I don't know who the they is. I'm talking is. about Brisk Rubal pointing out stats on yeah, that was show. that was a little bit exaggerated yeah, there's, uh, reading of Brass. Yeah, source? Like, okay. Well, there's what? lies, lies, numbers statistics, aren't... and lies, right? And so, so everybody's numbers with probably, summer and vaccines. <laughs> I'm sorry. As, they as will say will probably anything to justify and anything of their of their point of view. And right, so the proof is in the pudding. The proof is the Imperium is living in their basement. They're scared to come out of their house, and they're in one constellation right now. That's how the war is going objectively by anyone who looks at it. Four regions gone, one constellation left. Everything else glassed, 40 plus keep stars dead. Like that's the reality. Those aren't statistics that are generated on somebody's site. I'm that's just, the reality of the grid. I'm just going to use Dink's, uh, Dunk Dinkle's own argument uh, against him now, because uh, earlier he talked about the fact that uh, you would just have an alt in, in, in running the incursions. And that is exactly what the Imperium is doing. So they are not suffering to the level that you think but they are forced to play gameplay styles that they might actually not enjoy as much as actually being null entities and doing uh, empire building and null politics. Because right now they're being sieged and they are forced to play in wormholes, in incursions, in high sec mining and all these other types of things. And they're not struggling either. Their numbers are fine. Their, Their income levels are fine. I don't, I didn't, I didn't say that they were, not able to make ISK. All I said was the war of destruction and control is very clear as to what's going on. And to argue against that, mm-hmm. to say that this isn't a devastating uh, point in the war for them is to not be realistic about what's going on right now. Right. All right. But you're, but you're denying that your guys are bored. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not bored with playing Eve, that's for sure. There is always one random guy who will say he's bored. I will gladly grant that, right? But like to say a, a, in general that everyone is bored, it's like we're we're kind of just getting suited up for one of the biggest part. I don't think anybody in particular is bored per se. It, it, it's what? more like it's just such a weird stance. It's like even if they were bored, why why would that matter, right? Like the the war is about to amp up again. Like it, it just seems so odd. 
Well, I think their point is the war is boring. They don't really like this gameplay. Yes, that is the Imperium. That is the Imperium. The war is boring. They don't like it. I want to represent them as they represent themselves. Uh, But that they uh, feel like your guys want to go do something else. They don't actually want to fight this war. Uh, and it's well, that's the same thing they've been saying for 10 months. They were saying for 10 months that Pam Pham was going to flip on Legacy. It didn't happen. They said we wouldn't be able to take the floodplains. It didn't happen. They said they would fight on every keep star. It didn't happen. So I think you're taking at face value things that are not actually real things. It's the way they try to motivate their people. And if I was in their position, I'd be saying everything I could too. But I mean, every, remember. every every goalpost they have set has moved. But they were going to defend every keep star. They, they were going to do all in, these things. They could say all that, and privately, none of it has come through publicly. They're right because well, that's their style. That's what the Imperium members like, and we will see what happens in that one DQ constellation next. I mean, it's important to remember. You know, month th- two or three of the war, I can't remember. I, I very distinctly, I, I, you know, Asher going on the meta show and saying. You know, if this is a long war, that favors us. They can't, you know, withstand this. You know, nobody ever wins a long war. And I, and I just kind of remember after being in the war with Frat for, I think, seven months or nine months at that time, yeah, just kind of right. smiling because they, they just had no idea how war is actually fought in the Citadel era just because they'd never done it anymore. Right. So I, I, I was so, so exuberant. They didn't understand things. And here we are at, you know, month nine or month 10. And it's like. Yeah, we're we're so tired. We're never going to be able to do this for one more month. Well, they call it's it like, a year. <laughs> they call well, it nine months a year. Well, we're getting to a year. It's almost there. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, they're rounding up pretty good, though. I have to say, I thought that was funny. But I, I, okay, so you're saying is that they're? Uh, I think both of you are saying the same thing that their their predictions are off, or what they say is happening. Well, go, go go back for yourself. It's all out there. Go back and see what they said early in the war about what was going to happen, who was going to betray who, who would not have the stomach for the fight, who would not be able to kill um, structures, who would not be able to take space, what would be defended. Go look at what they said. Forget about what I say at all. Just go look at what they said and then compare it to today. Like, don't, don't take my word for anything. Just go look what they said all along and then compare to the reality of what's going on in space and you'll see the facts, the truth. Okay. Brave had, Brave had some trouble back in legacy space, uh, according to, again, the Imperium or people that were reporting on it. It's, How are it's you not now? According. <laughs> like they glassed, they, they, they glassed catch an impasse, right? Yeah. That's well, not, I'm not spinning did. that. They, that's what they did. And they, and they smoked us in M2. Like nobody's downplaying our losses here. The, the, you know, we, we take our, our, our thumps and, and we move forward. You know, mm. it, it's like, that's how it goes. You're you're in a you know you're in a boxing match or whatever else you know analogy you want to use. You know you're not the only one swinging here. The the defender, whether they want to admit it or not, is actually quite numerically close to us. And you know in terms of actual you know spaceship strength, not that far off. Like it's, it's not a it's, two to one or three to one odds. Well, I mean, can you show me a whole lot of those two to one and three to one battle reports? Because I can't. Right. And when you when it came down to an NM2, we had a like five to 10 percent numerical advantage in terms of super caps. Like that was that was the big numerical advantage. Right. So obviously um, something doesn't add up there. Yeah. All right. So how, how is Brave now in your state of the alliance stunk? You you said we're settling in. How's that going? 
Uh, it's going really well. People are happy. Um, they're making ISK. Uh, our comms are full. Fleets are full. We often have the standing fleets exceeding the, the in-game limits. Um, uh, people seem pretty positive. No one liked losing a bunch of stuff and catching impasse, but we've done a good job of moving stuff, moving hundreds and hundreds of capitals, jump freighters, freighters. A lot of infrastructure has been moved. It's all coming up to speed. So um, it's rough going. I didn't like losing all that stuff in catch an impasse, but it's war. We're going to take losses mm -hmm. and it sucks. And there were nights you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach, uh, you know, what's going to happen, but we're in a much better place now. So, um, and we're closer to the front. It's much easier for us to at any moment, get up and fight right away. There's, um, we're done with the jump cloning, the jump clone deployment, the where's your death clone. Um, we're everyone's ready to go raring and um so people are having fun and that's what this game is all about uh, forget about the war this has been a pretty screwed up year and a half of pandemic and eve is for a lot of people a respite from the horrors of real life so that's going well billy so you guys are turning now it looks like you're finishing up the what we call the uh i think caleb coined this term for us uh, the demolition phase right uh, Delta so, yeah. Fallen, it's about demolition. Looks like you're finishing that up. So when you summarized one of the, the numbers, one of the, the statisticians put together, uh, and you put it in kind of a more interesting way, think about it like this. We've killed 12 structures a day for 300 days for about 100 bill every day. That, that's kind of like the average of what we've done for 300-ish days. 12 structures a day for over 100 bill every single day when you average it out. And like, yeah, the destruction phase is just about done. We've got 11 forward desires left outside 1DQ. We've got maybe 30 medium structures, and I think that's it. Like, we're, we're ready for, you know, the next step. Can, can I make a StarCraft analogy? Sure. It's like you've, you're controlling the entire map. All the resources have been spent. There's one mining base left on the map, and you're letting the guy have the mining base because you think you've won. No, if you're going to use a StarCraft analogy, then we, you would say we control the whole map. They have one of those like bases set up with like a thousand of those like anti-defense towers or whatever. And like all of, there's, there's unlimited resources in the map, so all our bases can still, still keep mining. Then their one base can keep, kill, still keep mining too. Would probably be. But he's still mining, so he's still alive. Right. I gotcha. But I, I don't think we've declared we've won. <laughs> I think what we've said is we're Correct. We haven't. Enter. We haven't won. It could all go uh, upside down tomorrow. Sideways. But right now, um, we're poised for the next phase of the war, which people are enthusiastic about. My whole point is the Imperium wants us to fight on their terms, and that's not, I think, how this is going to go. Do you find that a lot of the public rhetoric is to try to bait you into that? Is that why it's, uh, it's out there in the first place? or? I think it's more inward facing. It's to motivate their troops, to make them feel at all times they're on the verge of victory. The, the Imperium attitude is they're just about to turn this war around and win it at all times for the last 10 months. And they had a moment at M2 where they had an opportunity to really win this war. And instead, they squandered that opportunity. So again, almost all of their posting, their shows, everything is about motivating their internal people. They don't really care what anyone outside of them thinks. Why do they, why would you think they're telling that kind of stuff out in public though? Why can't they just use fireside chats and internal communications if they 
don't want to communicate with the outer community. Because it's a lot more obvious that it's kind of propaganda-ish. So if you're not willing to say that we're confident in public, what leads confidence in the private as well? So um, and say I, I publicly say, I believe this is going to happen versus me just quietly saying it to my friends. What do you guys think? I'm ready to talk about industry because we've <laughs> talked about the war and you've, 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 look, you've heard, you've heard our point of view. And the, again, yeah. the truth is going to be on the battlefield. It's yeah, not going to yeah. be in talk shows. Yep. It, it's going to be very simple. It's going to be, we're going to go there. We're going to grind it. We're going to, we're going to take it and we're going to win. And then when, after that happens, we'll see where we are. Cause it's going to be another several interesting months, I'm sure. So, you yeah. know, it's it, to right. be fair, it's exactly what Eve online, you know, solve map, level stuff should be constant map movement constant fighting constant groups fighting each other what it is what it should be yeah all right doc you're absolutely right we'll see we'll see what we see uh i think a lot of the stuff that uh what you know you guys have said was going to happen has come to pass and uh so you have a pretty good track record of accomplishing the stuff you said was going to happen so we'll, we'll assume that you guys know what you're doing going in and it'll seem to see how the imperium defends and uh, if they can actually pull a victory out of this. Are, of this are all the cards on the table right now for that war? Um, for either mean, side? Are there any surprises left? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Do you think goons have a card that they haven't played yet? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm poking the bear here. There's always... There's, 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 there's always things that are unpredictable, right? There could be a, a director level spy that does some sort of flipping event that changes the game. That's always a possibility. Um, people could make a mistake. The servers couldn't hold up in a fight. Like there's all kinds of things that could happen. So I think both sides know that um, if they don't win the war, um, it's a tremendous setback to them. So I think, um, uh, I think everyone at the poker table is, as we would say, pot committed. All right. So that's the war. Um, we go on to something related because just as ambiguous as the war is and what the aftermath of the war is going to look like uh, is the economy and how really the game is being shaken at its foundation as far as um, the, uh, the amount of resourcing that needs to happen in order to build stuff that you could build uh, before. So uh, you have any observations on that? Don't Are we, aside from the obvious one that a big fat bottleneck is coming very soon for everyone. Where do you well, think the talk- bottleneck is going to be, Q? Uh, it, it, it's a combination of many things in the industry changes, right? It, some things will not be as easy to replenish as it was in the past, and thus maybe the incentive to replenish those or even to commit those is going to drop. So sadly, I think we will see a lull in uh, risk willingness. Mm. It uh, doesn't really answer my question. Yeah, I, I don't know where the bottleneck's going to be. Like, maybe there's some stuff. Well, gas and, and, and the special drops we talked about earlier. There, there's, yeah, there's plenty of drops. Things maybe, that, right. and, and, of course, the, the productivity level from losing all the infrastructure is going to also change. We've already seen um, production levels drop in, in certain areas. So, the, the, and, and the whole shakeup in, in HiSec is going to have to change, right? Um I think there's many interesting things uh, down the pipe. So, uh, and some of them will actually benefit uh, TTC a lot. I think it's just too early to know how this is really going to go. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a big 
mineral prices are spiking right now, mainly because so much of the ore and minerals are getting bought up to be shoved into capitals and super caps before the change occurs, because it's just, again, printing ISK right now. You throw a bunch of dreads or carriers or faxes or titans or supers into build right now, they're going to be worth much more when they come out after the changes occur. <laughs> so there's a ton of that that's distorted the marketplace right now. But that's no. going to be offset exactly by the rage building. Well, I don't know if it's going to be offset. I just know that right now the markets are distorted because of the upcoming changes. So what happens after the change of the value of ores and, and, and minerals is difficult to predict right now, along with the values of gases, uh, the drops that are occurring, all of that. Um, what I've seen in the past with other industrial changes like this is that there's some people in advanced market speculating, preparing in advance, buying up resources. And there's a huge amount of people who don't do anything about the changes until after the change occurs. And then you see a huge increase in demand. And if the supply can't handle it, then you see these price spikes and people start to complain. So I, I just don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if CCP has more plans for changes as far as resource availability or dynamics in the next quarter. Um, I was surprised to hear Ritati say that resource uh, dynamic resources might not change until 2022, which was Whoa. very surprising to me. Mm. Um, so there's, it's. I don't think anyone can predict exactly how this is going to go, other than it's confusing for even the most entrenched industrial player. Well, to, to compare to what 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 happened the last two times that uh, a massive industry change uh, made people rage build, uh, this is going to mean that. It's going to be so oversupplied that the, the, the supply will last for months, right? So the rage building now will potentially last at least six to eight months uh, into the future. Um, so price-wise, of course, people tend to price their, their stock based on what the re, uh, replenishment uh, cost is. But that's just going to mean that a lot of people are going to sit with massive overstock that they won't be able to get rid of uh, until very, very late into the future. This is exactly what happened with barges. It was the same that <laughs> happened with battleships. And I think it's the same that's going to happen to all the things that are now being rage built. So I don't see a problem. And I actually completely agree with Batati. There won't be a need for any massive changes until like 2022. But I, well, I, I don't know how, I don't know why you think you can say that. I mean, the prices for capitals and super capitals and Titans have already dramatically increased. The price for a Titan is basically double now, and that's before the change. So the price of Dread is going to go up. It's not going to go down. And people are going to make the ISK off of those things. Um, so it's not rage building. It's profit making. Right? It's not, there's no anger in it. It's just, I'm going to get super rich because I can put all this stuff into build. And that's what's happening right now. And then we'll go out the other side, and people will still want... A Moro, so they'll want a carrier or they'll want a hell, and then they will pay the price for it. It's not like anyone is going to sell something underpriced for what the new build price is. The new build price determines what you sell it for. So I think, I the prices for everything are going to. Right. So the effect, on the, economy, the effect having... on the economy is going to be everything costs more. Um, but they're going to be overstocked, and then it, it becomes a competition issue. Who's about overstocked? Who can offset you can thing. never have enough dreads. Every, no one's everyone, overstocked. Everyone will be overstocked. No one's overstocked on any capital. Overstocking implies that you can stock to a level at which groups are, you know, unable to 
handle that supply, I guess, let's say. But the reality is that the amount of minerals that were on the market that got converted into capitals and ships, et cetera, is going to at most push the supply a couple, like one, um, uh, one level, like higher than it would be. One margin of, I'm trying to think of the term, uh, but like, just, like, it's not that much supply being added here. Like, even with everybody all of a sudden putting all their shit in to build, it's just not that much extra compared to what there was. So I, I think the smart money is what Dunk said. Uh, I'm not sure there's more to say on this yet. That's why we're not doing a lot of industrial shows. But um, this is taking a while for people to get their head around in general. But we don't have any idea where prices will actually fall because the markets are so crazy right now. I think you made a really good point that people are... Uh, basically um, just paying incredible prices for things to get things into build before these changes hit. And that's causing the valuation of what that's going to cost in the future to go up as well, because it's based on current prices, which is interesting. Well, I think slightly different. It's not based on current prices. It's on predicted fu- predicted future prices of what these things will cost in the future. So when it requires a lot more different reactions and materials and drops to build a capital, the prediction is the cost is going to be two to three times more what it is now with a pure mineral build. So it's the future price that's driving this. It's not the cost of materials today. No, but they're using the numbers of materials today and then the combination of the ingredients that they need to get the price that it's going to be in the future. And so I feel like... The point is that if if you understand how supply and demand and price finding actually works, oh, okay. if if you if if you're talking about a future price being based on the the replenishment cost, right? If that's going to be the price point, it's going to be too high, and then demand is going to drop. I don't know what he just said. Well, I, I don't know that demand drops. People want people <laughs> want their battleships and they want their capital ships, and they're going to pay a price for them. And what so, I'm saying. Uh, let me just finish my point back, uh, going back a second. Like all the predictive prices are based on the prices of gases and fuels and stuff that we have now. Therefore, those prices may actually climb down because the crazy demand may uh, stabilize and actually. It is turn- almost a certainty that things like gas and, you know, the exploration, all these things are getting prices are going to go down because people are going to start mining gas consistently and set up in- industrial operations to mine gas. Right, gas is not just going to be that afterthought that five or ten people mine in the region. Right, gas will now be one of those primary deciding things that people are always aware of. So, right. like, you know, gas isn't just going to be what it was. Yeah, prices uh, should it, soften. Supply will go through the roof, so demand will go down comparatively, which means the price will go down. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. So the hysteria is driving the confusion. We don't know what the future looks well, like. I don't, I don't know if it's hysteria. I think when you do the math on it. how much gas is needed to build some of these things and you translate that into the time effort required, it is very, very difficult to see that the prices go down in those areas anytime soon. And earlier Correct. in the program, earlier in the program, I asked about, you know, we, people aren't seeing some of the gases that are announced being needed. They announced they'll be in this in these spaces, but people aren't saying it. So, again, time effort is the real currency of of EVE Online. Yeah. And if the time effort, uh, you could put all the spawn out there, but if the time effort to get it to where it needs to go is too high, you are limiting the supply. So what's what's the smart thinking, Billy Dunk, Caleb, on 
that's Tonia and Hateless too, on uh, industry. Is it a wait and see? Is it a, what should people be doing now to prepare? The, the yeah, build everything thing. you have now. Yeah. Do what? Yeah, throw everything into build now. Build everything. If you've got yeah. minerals, turn them I, into something. Something bigger than a battlecruiser. I'm, I'm definitely a wait and see, but I'm somewhat risk adverse, if that makes sense. So I'd kind of a wait and see guy. I also have a lot of ships, so like, we'll see what happens to them. Um, I do want to add that adding in different materials for different ships kind of compartmentalizes everything uh, so that in the future when balances need to happen, uh, they can balance it in that way rather than balancing the ore or whatnot uh, to try and make capitals less proliferated. Uh, We have uh, a specific material needed and then we can balance ships in in that manner, which is really valuable uh, to the game as a whole and really important, even though it shakes everything up right now, uh, the long-term effects of this change is it's going to be really good for the game. I'm going to say what I usually say when we have these uh, changes happening uh, that are market related, move against the market or do something that is secondary uh, relation. So don't don't build don't build Titans. Build all the things that needs to be installed in Titans. Because if everyone is running in one direction, if you do the same, you're going to lose money. I think the idea of being able to adjust um, the individual components based on the marketplace or what what's happening uh, is a great idea. I just don't see that we've seen that in the game by the designers in the last year and a half. We've seen all the changes to resources are completely brute force. Uh, all or nothing kind of changes. We're not seeing subtle tweaks and adjustments to the resources in the game. So it'd be interesting to see uh, the designers switch to they're going to adjust the drop rate of just one thing and then make it easier or better. But that's not the behavior we've seen out of the dev team over the last year and a half. Really? Did you have uh, any last comments on the smart money? No, I think I think to a degree Caleb's correct. You know, moving against the market is good, but at the same time, there is very obviously a clear opportunity with the way in which things are going right now. So I, I think both sentiments are true. Yeah. It, I, and I think that's where we kind of landed on it too, which is turn your minerals into things. Actually, Caleb, uh, about a year ago was saying, don't buy Plex, buy things. And so he was, a, he's always going against what everybody else is doing because he's working ahead of time. And I think his, his next thing is to work ahead of time now by getting into T2 stuff, uh, all that kind of thing, even though, but it, there is a clear, there is clearly money to be made in this seismic change that if you own an item, a well, certain this is, item, this is so much about it's going to cost more it, later. So what, what's really being left out a little bit here is that it's a lot to do about converting your existing stockpile to something that can appreciate higher, uh, post the industry changes. And to that effect, it is correct that you need to what rage build because that's exactly what also happened when uh, barges increased and when battleships increased. I'm just saying that there's going to be so much overstock of this that you want to be in the other things that are not where people's attention is right now. Um, I would focus on things like you know when when people always say ships are fuel, uh, sorry, uh, 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 ships are, are ammo, right? This is where you want to go. You want to go in things that are um, consumable-based, uh, ammo-based, because down the pipe, things that are consumable are going to be the ones that are going to be replenished, and you can't avoid it. You can at least say, okay, I don't really need a Titan now, but you can't say, oh, I don't need drones now. <laughs> you're going to need them, because otherwise you're not going to be doing anything. 
Yeah, but don't uh, don't build anything that's a battle cruiser or lower that is uh, vanilla uh, from the empires because those will go down in price. I'm almost inclined to disagree because they're also going to be the ones being used. Yeah, but yeah, but the uh, minerals. In yeah, the hold your minerals. Down. Hold your minerals till after, and then and then we'll work with them. Okay, so that's that. Um, what else do we? The, so, they must so be Dunk's advice is do not get into building T ones, uh, uh, battle cruisers, and below in the marketplace these days because uh, that market is completely owned. It's very difficult to make a profit in that at all unless you're in the outskirts of null space. Uh, anyone thinking they're going to make a profit on T1 hulls, uh, battle cruisers, and below and high sec, uh, you're setting yourself up for tears. Uh, your backdrop does look like you're in deep space, by the way. I like that moon atmosphere. Um, by the way, the if anybody th- temporarily wants to buy 1,800 Feroxes in perimeter, let me know. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, at current day prices, of course, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Monthly economic report came out. Uh, we, we wanted to do a, a strong analysis show on it, but we haven't actually done the homework. So we're going to have to wait on that. But Caleb, you have some thoughts on the monthly economic report, don't you? Uh, not except for the obvious ones that have been mentioned. Uh, there's some interesting things happening in Vale, uh, which is apparently uh, the, the crabbing home of, uh, of New Eden these days. Fraternity lives there. Well, but I think the space is actually being utilized by more than just fraternity. There's quite a lot of people uh, using it uh, to their advantage, as far as I've been told. Right, probably so. All right, uh, there was some. Uh... Oh, and 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 CCB did a good thing. They added uh, the differentiation. They split up um, the two uh, faucets, right? Which faucets? Red and blue. No, no. Um, uh, sorry, not not faucets. Uh, the the trade value. So now you have a differentiation between contracts and uh, market trade, which I think is amazing. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, they've been making changes to the MER. They haven't made changes to that in a long time. Um, but they're actually... No, we've been screaming out. about it for years, and now they're finally getting around to seeing that the, if they want to use the MER, they need to fix some of the things that are broken. And I'm seeing small things being changed uh, every week, and I'm very uh, happy about it. Uh, they haven't uh, gotten around to some of the bigger things like... Uh, not having it be an Intel tool and things like that. And of course, uh, the hot topic after that uh, angry mustache um, Reddit post. The consumer the indices, price index the, issue? The, all of the indexes. As, uh, the, the indices are a mess. And, and they what's would an just, indice for people that don't know in the economy? Well, an index can, can, can be a few things, but it's basically like a basket that's telling you the health of an area of the market. So uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, like- let me try to explain it, if you don't mind. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But a, a basket means essentially if a typical person were to go to a grocery store, they would want some, il- some milk, for instance, some bread, some lettuce, and maybe some tea. And it's a basket of random items that tells you these Hopefully are not typical. random. Hopefully not random. They should never be but, random. This is the problem. But something with a consumer would get. So it's a sampling. It's a sampling of what people Usually these are items with high inelasticity. Okay. Yeah, and let, let's not go that deep, really, but <laughs> you're right. The, All the right, point but is a basket that, of items, what, what, and what, that's a consumer price index pinpoint. And so if that goes up, then prices are going up. If that goes down, then prices are going down for the typical person. Yeah, and, and, and one of the ones that you kind of already uh, hinted at is something uh, that is also used to calculate uh, things like both consumer price indexes and, and things like uh, purchasing power. So how many eggs does your salary buy you and things like that? The point is, 
in in Eve we have um, well, or at least in the MER, we we have these indexes uh, or indices made by CCP Quant for, uh, quite a while ago, and a lot of them are a bit of a mess now, and they're hopefully outdated. And just to take the example of what Angry Mustache was trying to argue, when it comes to consumer price index, if you make it highly dependable on RMT items, so things that are generated for real life money, then you're kind of giving information that doesn't say a lot about the actual game ecosystem, because the RMT items are supposed to be a secondary impact effect to uh, the, the, the ecosystem. So you're not telling a, a lot about what it costs uh, to play the game, um, because you're adding the things that you can buy from CCP as almost like a requirement. And that's almost uh, implying some sort of uh, pay to win uh, cost to actually uh, play the game. And that's just bad because if you start balancing for that, uh, you will have all the pay to win people screaming. So he was trying to remove, I think it's only one item in there that's actually RMT based, but because the other ones are not heavy enough when it comes to weight, so how much they actually represent. But just to give you a sense, it looks like there's like 12,000 items in the CPI uh, of different weight. They have things like skins and, and, and whatnot. There's just a lot of things in there that from an ecosystem and economy point of view really shouldn't be there. Um, and same with some of the other ones, the secondary producer and the primary producer uh, index. These are also uh, kind of wrong. They don't have the right things in them. And again, the game has changed so much over the past eight years. So these things need to be maintained and they haven't. Why wouldn't Plex be part of that group? Because that implies that um, you have to uh, buy X amount of RMT items and Plex from uh, CCP to actually play the game. And even though that is partially true, it gets offset by everything that's got to do with alphas and everything where you are subbing. And ironically, we also noticed that the numbers in there imply uh, a volume that is higher than what hits the market. So that means that CCP is actually counting all the uh, Plex coming into the game and all the RMT items, even if it's being used and not actually hitting the market. And that means that you're offsetting the actual economic activity with just where people have already just injected it into themselves. Of course, it's, it's an either or. Either you have to do it or you have to take them out completely. It's just from an economic point of view, it's a really bad way of doing it. Well, but if you're measuring uh, the... Oh, go ahead. Um... I don't have the attention span to follow that whole train of thought. And I'm going to try and simplify it the best I can. Uh, and that is that the price of stuff compared to the amount of effort you put in. So if you put an hour of effort in, this is what you should expect to get out of that hour of effort. Uh, your time being valued, as Dunk was saying earlier, the true uh, thing that is valuable is how much time people have to put into things and how much they get for that time how how many ships can be produced in x time or, or what goods can be produced in x time and how that value is associated with each other how those two values are associated with each other what i get out of my time effort and what i what i put in time effort wise well the point is that ideally when you have something like a consumer price index it's supposed to tell you how easy it is how many hours do you have to go and rat or mine 
to buy X amount of goods. And if you get them offset with things like RMT items, because you're expecting that, that people should also buy that, that will mess up uh, the uh, injectors, so the suppliers versus uh, demand consumers of Plex. So it's just it's just bad to have them in there because you, otherwise you end up having to disclose information about um, CCP's own actual income and and because otherwise we can't use the MER for anything because the MER is supposed to be something that we can use as players if it's if it's uh, got obfuscated information or or values that that offset these things and we don't really get the full information then then you're opening yourself up to a whole lot of information uh, gathering that's not good as i as mm. i said earlier it feels to me like CCP Quant has has left this mystery game uh, in Eve that is up to some very nerdy uh, types to actually sit there and pick apart and try to figure out, and it's just not conducive to what this, the function of the MER is supposed to be. It's supposed to tell you something about the health of the economy and where to uh, speculate and uh, see what's supposed to be going up and down in price and uh, and 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 who is doing well and who is doing uh, poorly this is just not what it's being used for now it's, well, it, it, it seems it's to, an abusive it, tool well, it seems to me that it's sure. supposed to tell you how much your money's worth how much isk is worth in the game and plex to me seems part of that formula like you know how Plex is a part of people's grocery list because they want to buy game time, for instance, or buy so a, a price index. Sorry if I'm being slow here, but a price index is basically you you get the things and I, if if I work for an hour and get paid eight dollars an hour or whatever you earn, I can buy this much grocery. But then you're saying that like putting in the the art the the real money trade stuff the stuff that comes from buying plex and then going to the new eden store is like throwing a a portion of that basket it's cuz it's cuz the cost of isk comes into play right because all isk fundamentally is stored up wealth in the in the form of hours already played and then that has a, a conversion rate where you can then uh, sell utility in in adding more game time with plex uh, but someone needs to uh, swipe their credit card to do so and then you add the exchange of existing uh, labor in the game to the cost which then offsets the whole replenishment thing. How, how fast can I earn money um, in the game is supposed to be what is, well, that would be your salary, right? Uh, so how effective is your salary? If you start adding what uh, money is already in the game and someone can mag magically uh, get you to uh, give me that for a thing that gives you a um, vanity and utility that is slightly outside of the game because... None of the items you can buy from the, the the next store is supposed to be pay to win. It's all about redistribution of wealth that's already in the game, whether that is SP or actual ISK, because both of those are just stored up wealth based on time spent in the game. All right. I think we're overanalyzing this a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. And again, that was just... No, we're just analyzing. We're just not overanalyzing. No. Uh, well, whatever. We'll look at it. It's um, it, it bears uh, proper like investigation and debate and that sort of stuff. We'll do that at a different time before we come up with some conclusions. Whether or not anyway, the, the conclusion is that that CCP should should 
give us the information of, of what the indices are doing, what they're composed of, and how how they envision them to be actually used as a, as a feature in the MER. And right now, we're at a point where they're all a mess and needs to be fixed to be able to give us that information. And then they need to share it with us in a way where we don't have to sit there and spend several hours trying to figure out how they created the R script and how the actual uh, CSVs are actually composed. Because looking through uh, 12,000 different items, or even just 520, which is uh, in, I think it's in the primary producer index. The, let, let's not make this a mystery. Please give us the information and tell us how this is supposed to work, how you believe it's supposed to be used in the game. Otherwise, yeah, right. remove it. Uh, so, so, like so basically, said, Matter, I'll put it like this for you. Because right. this is kind of the best way to think about I, it. Michael. I'm a smart guy. I'm, I like this stuff. So currently, you can get more Plex with your ISK than any time in the last couple of years, right? Like 500 Plex is like 1.2 billion or something right now. It was over 2 billion at one point, you know, even just, uh, you know, uh, two years ago, I think, right? So you get more game time for your money now than any time in the, in the recent, recent past. At the same time, you can get less ships with your money than any time at the recent past because the price of ships has gone up. Your buying power on ships is going down. Your buying power on Plex is going up. So okay. those things should, on paper, be the same, but they're different because RMT items come in from a different angle. They're not produced by the game. And because of that. that, they're adjusting the way in which you would see the consumer price index of, of goods naturally continue to go up with ships. But because its plex are coming from out of game, it, it, does, it doesn't work. Okay. Exactly. Thank you. Very Great much. explanation. Thank you. Um, maybe they should have two different indexes because I think if I'm going to use ISK to buy Plex, that is part of my shopping needs, but maybe they they don't need to be in the exact same thing. Um, and that needs to be part of the story too. So if you're paying more for ships, it's like, oh, that's a bad thing, I suppose, except for the builders who are making more money. Uh, it's all an economy, right? But you're also possibly paying less for Plex, less for injectors, less for other things that you utilize in the game. That's part of your lifestyle too. So when I look at this as an alarm, as this is alarming, CCP is baked the, the numbers, people are having to pay more for stuff. I want to say, hold on a second. You got to look at that a lot more carefully because you're also paying for other stuff that's gotten cheaper. And so I want that to be part of the equation too, before you just go crazy and dismiss it as uh, the economy's out of whack. Okay. That's all that we uh, wanted to talk about there. I think we are slowly falling out of the show here. Uh, as we lost Dunk just a few minutes ago, he had to take off. And uh, we also have Hateless has to take off too. Billy, I want to say thanks for jumping in. We have one last thing. We'll go through it really quickly. And that is, it's more an, of an announcement, actually. Um, CSM 16. Can, can, we, can we please do the Webby Awards before we go to CSM? Sure. Go ahead. The Webby Award for CCP. Do we have I just that think too? it was an amazing little piece of uh, news that uh, CCP put it up as an announcement that uh, uh, Project Discovery is actually in one of the categories for the Webby Award this year. And I think when, when, when the first people started noticing it, it was in, said to be around, what, 10% or something of the votes. And as soon as it went on, on uh, CCP's website and got tweeted out and then uh, got out to all the EVE players, it went from 10, 15% to like 45%. And uh, they look like they're actually going to win now. I, 
I feel like it's a little bit of a even nerds vote regating on on the Webby Awards. Yeah. Well, weaponize weaponize E players, I guess, to win the award. They'll probably win. But that happens with cult following games, I, right? Yeah, but I do think that they actually deserve it because uh, what Project Discovery has has proven uh, about crowdsourced science, I think, is quite impressive, and they deserve uh, to get this uh, nice little medal. Right. All right. So I think Hateless is out. So I'm going to put him over here, and that'll uh, believe that puts us anyway. Let's uh, wrap up here. Uh, CSM 16. Talking in stations for the last few years have done interviews one-on-one -on -one with candidates, uh, even if it was 30, 40, 50 candidates. We interviewed as many of those as wanted to be interviewed. We contacted everybody that ever ran as an official candidate. So they all had an opportunity. We're not doing any of that this year. Uh, we're going to not do CSM 16 coverage uh, for... For our own reasons, but we also think that there are other very capable people that can do it and are doing it. So look for interviews from other people. TIS won't be doing interviews as at least one-on-one. -on -one. We will be covering it uh, from the sideline this year, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll be we'll we'll definitely be watching what happens, but we're going to uh, not be doing CSM interviews. So sorry, don't show up at uh, TIS like waiting for your moment because it won't happen. Oh, okay. And uh, the other thing is that we're, let me bring a, uh, I do so, I do so hate uh, when I accidentally knock myself out of the channel, come back. Um, the other thing is though, that what we have done is created a space for candidates to talk with uh, the, the populace. Now that Talking in Stations is 4,600 and climbing uh, as far as population, it's a good place for people to get to know one another. So we created a channel and a special color for CSM candidates, even though they're not official yet. We'll take it on their word that they're going to be a candidate. And so we have uh, a whole channel called uh, CSM, I think it's called CSM Discussion Public. And you're welcome to hang out there and talk to your CSM candidates and get a feel for them if you want to. All right. I think that's it uh, for today. Uh, Hateless, you came back just in time for the wrap-up. <laughs> it's good to see you today. Uh, Setonia is still with us, uh, although I think he might have uh, fallen asleep. Setonia. No, I'm I'm still here. Awesome, man. What do you do when you know we do all this talking? Are you oh, killing just playing Eve? You're what? So I'm just playing Eve. You're just playing Eve, huh? Yeah, let's all play Eve. All right. Uh, you have any last comments, Setonia? Uh, no, not really. I think you guys uh, did a great job uh, covering the MER and all the, the rest of the news. I know. I know. Last comment. You're running for CSM 16, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I'm running for uh, CSM 16 <laughs> this year. And uh, she's not here, but uh, Arcia is also Arcia running too. too. Yeah. She is in, she's competing in the Anger Games right now. But Tony and Arcia, two regulars. Kenneth, who is also a uh, now a TIS uh, panelist, is also running for re-election, so you've seen him. So those are three people from Talking In Stations uh, that you will see out there. All of them super qualified. That's why we like talking to them. Um, but uh, but good for you. And uh, Hateless, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. You have any last thoughts? Um, no. But I yeah, uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, Caleb, last thoughts? Anything? 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, post-war uh, era. Uh, so I, I hope that this last uh, catch the king thing uh, doesn't take too long. Uh, yeah. Yeah, at least Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel won't just have like six keep stars at the top of it every every week now. <laughs> exactly, every day. The destruction numbers will come back, hopefully, because they've been horribly low during this war. Let's get some variety. All right, McLeod, thanks very much for engineering. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to call on him or anything, but do you have any, any shout outs or anything you want to say? I'm good, dude. I'm fine. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, We will see you next time on Talking in Stations.